sounds pretty impressive, doesn't it? But the challenge is, how do we actually do it? I mean, seeing Jesus, the most talked about person in Birmingham, uh, being for the good of our city, uh, impacting whole nations, is not just going to happen like that. And so what I want to do for the next few minutes is look at some advice that the Apostle Paul gives to a church not too dissimilar to our church, aimed at helping them be all that God had made for them to be. If you've got a Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, The words will appear on the screen behind me as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and we're going to pick up what Paul says in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer just beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul's basically saying, I want you to give as much attention, as much energy, as much effort as much focus to the way that you live your Christian life as high-achieving athletes and sports people do in their pursuit of winning their race. In other words, if you want to live effectively for Jesus, you need to learn a thing or two from athletes who give themselves to serious training. That's the point of this passage. Now, I reckon if we're going to take the maximum benefit from what Paul says here. If we're going to make the most of these instructions, I think there are a couple of things that we just need to get clear first. First one is this. Paul says that all of us have a life that he likens to a race. And so the obvious question is, what is your race? Arguably, The two biggest figures in the New Testament were both pretty clear what their race was. Remember Jesus, the age of 12, his parents lose him for a few days, eventually find him sitting in the temple. He doesn't get why they're so concerned. He simply says, didn't you know that I'd be about my father's business? It's like, even as a child, he had a remarkable confidence in what God had called him to do. Right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, Mark's account of the life of Jesus, we find Jesus getting up very early in the morning and going to a solitary place in order to pray. His disciples come searching for him, tell him that everyone's looking for him, trying to find him. His response? Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And then, right at the end of his life on earth, 
Remember the words that he shouted from the cross that highlighted that he knew with crystal clear clarity what his mission in life was. It is finished. It is finished. He was a man who had a very clear sense that he had accomplished what he came to do. I can ask you whether you will be able to say that at the end of your life. I've accomplished what I was born to do. Maybe you're thinking, well, that was Jesus. Surely that is an unfair example. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But have a think about the Apostle Paul. He was on the way to Damascus, trying to persecute the church, wipe the church off the face of the earth. When Jesus confronts him, commissions him to take the gospel, the good news about Jesus, to the ends of the earth. He gets a calling, a destiny, a race to run. Here's how Paul talks about it in Acts 20, verse 24. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Here's how Paul writes at the very end of his life. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 6, The time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Let me ask you again. Will you be able to say that at the end of your life? Maybe you're still thinking, well, it's all very well, but I'm not quite sure what the race is that God has given me. What I've been seeing over the last few months is that your race is very much part of a larger race, a larger story, the story of Scripture, the story of God's intention to restore all things, all of creation to its original design, which of course will only be accomplished when Jesus returns at the end of time, but which all of us are called to live out now. I'm guessing some of us do live with a very clear picture of the race that's laid out ahead of us. Other of us perhaps can't really see all that far. But the truth is, we can all know the race we're in right now, today. It's simply whatever responsibilities God has placed in our hands. It might be the strengthening of a relationship, the raising of children, finishing a degree, finding a job, holding down a job. Whatever responsibilities God has given you are a part of your race. It might be to help create a different culture in your school. It might be to do the best you can in your GCSEs or your A-levels or your degree. It might be to act with integrity, with kindness, with honesty in your office. It might be to be outstanding in your design agency or wherever God's placed you. Now please don't hear me wrong. This isn't a motivational talk aimed at helping you make a name for yourself. It's not what I'm talking about here. 
In fact, some of us will be slightly uncomfortable with any kind of talk of high achieving. Perhaps we've watched the way other people get to the top by just trampling on others. Or maybe we've seen people just obsessed by the numbers and nothing else. Our race is a very different one from the one being run by the people around us. We're not running to leave our mark on the world. Our goal ultimately is to leave Jesus' mark on the world. You're not aiming to leave a big footprint of yours in your company or your organization. The goal is to leave the footprint of Jesus as though he himself had stepped there. It isn't all about reaching positions of influence in society merely for the sake of being busier, richer, and more prosperous. It's about being countercultural. It's using the responsibilities that God has given us to promote righteousness and justice and honesty and humility and generosity. We are to transform the world around us, not be squeezed into its mold. And so the motivation is different. This is all about following Jesus. It's all about an entirely different way of living. Jesus, if you like, the ultimate high achiever, took time to welcome little children, gained the reputation for being the friend of sinners. He literally gave up his life for others. He lived entirely differently to the people around him. And he calls us to do the same. Can you imagine thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children living like that right across the city? Well, that is the race that God has for us. And I want to emphasize the us. This isn't just an individual race, you with your head down doing your own thing. No, it is for us. Writer of the Hebrews touches on this when he writes in Hebrews 12, verse 1 Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. It's a team race, it's not just us individually. He says, Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of faith. Church Central, we together have a race marked out for us. It's not just for you, it's for us. As we've been hearing, even earlier on, our race is to see Jesus, the most talked about person in Birmingham. We do believe that everything that's good in our city points to the creator from whom it all comes. And we think that is worth shouting about and celebrating. It's why we've gathered here in this cinema today. It's why at the end of this meeting, we're going to send you back out into the three sites, the north, the south, the west of the city. That's why we gather through the week in life groups across the city. We love making much of Jesus. We want to be encouraged, equipped to do so more and more. 
It's why we run Bolton Big Questions and Alpha and keep encouraging you to take the next step with your friends. Because Jesus is the only hope for our city. And we want everyone to get an opportunity to know him for themselves. Our race is to see Jesus, the most talked about person in Birmingham. Another big part of our race is to be for the good of our city. We do believe that the church should make the city a better place to live. And so we want to be a very tangible, real blessing to the people around us. What Birmingham needs is a whole body of people scattered right across the city, making a difference in communities, in estates, in schools, in hospitals, in shops, in universities, in businesses, in industry. Be like Nehemiah and his group of ordinary men, women and children who side by side work to restore the city. That's why, as a church, we love to support people and projects that make living here better for everyone. Things like our Christians Against Poverty Centre, things like the Caris Neighbour Scheme, the Bridge Project, Gift Project. That's why we encourage artists to create and cultivate in such a way that brings life to the city. It's why we put a very real emphasis on being the best we can in our work. Because it's as we use the gifts and the skills, the abilities that God has given us out there in the world, we will begin to see slowly but surely this city transformed. Our race is to see Jesus, the most talked about person in Birmingham. Now the big part of our race is to be for the good of our city. And it's also a long-distance race. We're running to impact nations. God has promised us that we'll be a national exhibition center for the display of his glory. We believe that God has called us to prototype something here that will provoke, that will challenge, that will encourage, that will inspire, that will resource churches in other cities across this nation. But our vision goes even further than that. We, we live in a global city with more than 100 languages spoken, at least 87 different ethnic groups, 238,313 people who were born outside the UK. That's almost a quarter of our city born outside the UK. This is a diverse city whose influence reaches right across the globe. We believe that God's plan has always been to have his name known amongst all the nations of the earth. Here at Church Central, we want to play our part in God's global mission. Now, of course, that begins right here on our doorstep, but must also spread abroad, reaching into every continent. In the very beginning... Our desire as a church has always been to be able to make a tangible difference to the spread of the gospel in other parts of the world. That is the race that God has called us to. For us as individuals, it's whatever responsibility God has placed in our hands. And for us as a church, it's saying Jesus, the most talked about person in our city, 
It's being for the good of Birmingham. It's impacting nations. Well, now that we're clear on that, I hope we are clear on that, second question that we need to ask is this. How then do we run so as to win? How then do we run so as to win? I mean, Paul tells us here in no uncertain terms to run in such a way as to get the prize. So what are some of the qualities required if we're to guarantee victory in our race? Well, the first thing I'd suggest is we need to have confidence that God is with us. Let's face it, there's not a whole lot of hope for an athlete who enters a race thinking that they're defeated, thinking they've lost before they even start. Now, as I was preparing for this talk, I remembered hearing about an individual by the name of Stu Mittelman. I suspect that most of you haven't heard of him, judging by the blank expressions in the people I can see in the front row here. But he is a record breaker in the sport of ultra running. Stu Mittelman had heard of this remote South American tribe that once a year ran 75 kilometers in one day as a celebration. No other reason, just for fun. We want to celebrate. How will we celebrate? Let's run 75 kilometers. Uh, slightly alien to my way of thinking, just for the sake of integrity, lest you think I'm into this as well. But that was their thing. Now, this guy, Stu Middleman, was so intrigued, so fascinated, that he decided he'd go and visit these people, watch them, and learn everything he could from them. Consequently, on a day of celebration in his own life, when he reached his 30th birthday, he thought he would see how long he could keep running for. He ran the equivalent of three and a half marathons a day for 11 days. That's getting on for a thousand miles. And then when he got to his 50th birthday, don't know if he spent the next kind of 20 years recovering, but by the time he got to his 50th birthday, he ran from San Diego to New York. Now, if your American geography isn't great, you may not be impressed by that. You need to know that is more than 3,000 miles. It took him 56 days. He ran the equivalent of two marathons every day for 56 days. You know what the biggest battle was that he had to fight? He says it wasn't actually the physical one. It was really the mental one. It was the confidence that he needed to gain in order to believe that he could do something quite so remarkable. Now, I'm not suggesting here that you start kind of puffing yourself up and thinking you're invincible. I'm not encouraging you to turn to your neighbor and kind of punch them in the arm and say, you're great, you're the best. It's not that kind of talk. On the contrary, we're weak. We know that. But we also know that our confidence isn't ultimately in us, but in an extraordinary God. And we're told that now the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is living in us. Therefore, you can approach your race 
with very real confidence. And that confidence matters. It must shape the way that we live. I mean, think about it. What would you do differently tomorrow if you were 100% certain that God was with you? I'm telling you, you actually can live with that degree of certainty. It was Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, who said, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's resources. Your race done in God's way will never ever lack what you need in order to pull it off. I believe that God is calling us to live with a fresh understanding of the resurrection power that resides within us. To do things that others would consider impossible. Why? Because God is with us. Even now, there's a fresh confidence that God wants you to have that he's with you. How do we run so as to win? Here's the second thing. We need to give everything. We need to give everything. If we're in the race to win it, it stops us settling for simply being on the track. If we're running to win the prize, it kind of makes sense to give our all. Paul here describes it in terms of going into strict training, beating his body, making it his slave. This isn't a casual thing. There's sacrifice. There's personal cost along the way. There's pain. But the end goal, the end prize makes it worth it. How do we run so as to win? Thirdly, we need urgency. Any athlete knows that their body clock is ticking. They know that maybe they've got five years or at a stretch ten years before they hang up their spikes. And that time pressure is a good thing for them because it means that what they do next week really matters. I think it's more of a challenge for you and I who plan to be followers of Jesus for the whole of our lives because it effectively means that We can give ourselves next week off. We can give ourselves the next month off. We could give ourselves this year off. Martin Luther King, in his short life, used to speak of the fierce urgency of the now. I was particularly struck by this a few weeks ago now. So I spent a couple of days with 20 church leaders, friends of mine from different churches around the country. In the room, four of the 20 were battling cancer. And they all spoke of the perspective that it gave them. Suddenly, each day mattered. And to a man, they spoke of their regret at not living like this before they were diagnosed with cancer. I believe God wants to instill in all of us a fresh sense of urgency. Every day matters. Every day is crammed with potential. Every day has fresh opportunities. There are new victories for us to win every day. 
We need to live with that sense of urgency. How do we run so as to win? Fourthly, we need focus. Ever seen a 100 meters runner at the start of a race? Here's a picture of Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world. Do you think he's about to get distracted? Now this is one man totally in the groove. He's got one thing and one thing only on his mind, and that is getting to the finishing line and claiming the prize. Paul was the same. In verse 26 here, he says, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. If we're to run so as to win the prize, we need to be focused. We need something to aim for. And so, I want to wrap up by making this as practical as I can. What I want to do is share some goals with you that give us something very tangible to aim at. You see, one of the problems with having a big vision is it can seem just way out there somewhere. How's it ever going to happen? What does it look like in practice in the here and now? What can I actually do about this? So I think it's helpful to break it down a bit, make it slightly more tangible. I want you to know, this isn't just something that I dreamt up on the way to the meeting this morning. As an eldership team, we've been talking, we've been thinking, we've been praying long and hard about this. We've come up with four goals that we hope the whole church can get on board with this year. First of all, we want to aim for an increase in giving of £50,000 a year. We have a big vision. And to put it bluntly, we don't quite have enough money to fund it yet. Over the next year, we need an extra £50,000. That's just to enable us to keep doing what we're already doing. Things like Christians Against Poverty and Toddler's Work and work with senior citizens, running more Alpha courses, running more Bought in Big Questions, other Next Step events. We don't just want to plateau and go into maintenance mode. This next year, we want to stand with and support Rich and Judy O'Carroll as they look to build a team and move to church plant into Bear Root. We also want to employ Chris Yo part-time to head up our North Site team, help maximise the potential opportunities that are opening up for us even now in our newest site. We need another £50,000. It's a lot of money. Now the wonderful thing is, we've already seen people increase their giving to cover a fifth of what we need. But just to break it down, we still need to see a monthly increase of £3,333.33. Each pence matters. That's the message. Now, if this life is all there is, it kind of makes sense to spend every last penny on ourselves. But we have a different perspective. I want to encourage you to allow an understanding of the race that you're in to motivate you to greater sacrifice. If you currently don't give, or maybe God's challenging you about how much you should give, 
I want to urge you to seek him in faith for what to give this coming year. Just to say, I know that many of you already give sacrificially and with great faith. And I want to thank you so much for the way that you responded when we spoke about our financial needs back in the autumn. At the time, we we said that we needed an extra £14,000 to end the financial year on budget. I'm thrilled to say, as a result of your response, as a result of your generosity, the money has come in, as well as 10,000 of what we need for this coming year towards the 50,000. Thank you so much. I in no way take for granted your generosity, the sacrifices you make, and your faith. Thank you. It gives me confidence to believe for that whole 50,000 for this year. That's the first goal. The second one, we want to see 250 people in the church committed to praying for three friends and one nation every week for the next year. Bottom line is, we want to see loads more people saved, loads more miracles, loads more sent to the nations, but how's it going to happen? There are all kinds of things we could and should do, plenty of things we will do. I'm pretty sure it will not happen if we don't get more serious about prayer. I don't think it's any coincidence at all that the first church devoted themselves to prayer. And from just a few people, probably less than are in this room right now, and just a few people gathered in an upper room, the gospel spread through the entire known world in just one generation. They devoted themselves to prayer. Now if you're serious, about the race that God has given us as a church, I want to call you to devote yourself to praying in a new way this year. Very specifically, I want to call you to commit to praying every week for three friends who don't yet know Jesus and one nation. It's wonderful, as a church, being increasingly connected with what God's doing around the world just this week. It's with uh, a bunch of leaders praying into the situation in Ukraine. See it on the news from time to time. We've got churches that we're connected with, related to, who are right in the midst of that difficult situation. It's wonderful last time we were in this room back in the autumn to have Pervez, who heads up uh, a group of churches in Pakistan, uh, even on a government level, kind of speaking to the situation in, in that nation. Uh, Two weeks ago, uh, Andy and I were in Oman in the Middle East, uh, working with one of the churches that we're related to uh, out there. It's wonderful having these connections. Uh, And we want to send many people uh, to those nations and others, but also recognize a whole bunch of people in the room will never go. But we want all of us to be involved together. I think prayer is a great way to do that. And so if you sign up, if you're one of the 250, and and it could be more, who sign up saying, we're going to pray at least once a week, every week for this year, for three of our friends to be saved and for one nation. If you sign up, we'll regularly uh, give you information, uh, regular updates of what's going on in some of these nations to help you pray in an informed way. Please sign up to pray.
That's the second goal. Here's the third one. Across the church, we want to share 500 meals with friends, work colleagues, and neighbors. I think that's a bit of a funny one. Here's why. If we're going to see Jesus, the most talked about person in Birmingham, we need to be more intentional about actually spending time with people in our city. And so we want to encourage people to build friendships, to be generous, to be a blessing to the people around them. And we're hoping that this goal helps you to focus on that. Because I think there's something about sitting down and eating with people that helps to build relationship. Just to say, it's not about how many place settings you have or having it candle lit and putting a flower arrangement on the table. It's not about the quality of your cuisine or whether you even cook or just take people out for a meal. The point is, have you made a connection with some people? If so, we want to record each time that happens this year and try and hit the 500 mark. Really? It couldn't be simpler. If right now, you can think of people you know who don't know Jesus, and you would quite like them to know Jesus, and they like food, then this one's for you. That's the third goal. And then here's the fourth one. We want to hear... A thousand stories of breakthrough this next year. We want to grow in expectation for God to make a real difference in our everyday lives. And we want to get a whole lot better at celebrating those stories whenever we gather together. We'd love it if the whole church got on board with this. Whatever people are facing, we want them to look for God to break through because they're confident that God is with them. Might be in praying for healing. Might be stepping out and sharing our faith. Might be a situation we're facing at work. Might be in our finances, in a specific relationship, overcoming an addiction. Wherever you step out in faith, believing that God's with you and you see God break through, you can record it as part of this goal. Now just to say, although we've put numbers next to each of these goals, the numbers are pretty arbitrary. We we could have picked completely different ones, but they're not meaningless. Each number represents lives impacted. And what's our motivation? Well, the runners in Corinth competed for a crown that will not last. It was made of foliage that over time would just wither up and die. Paul says, we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We run so that the great king of the universe will one day look us in the eye and say, well done, good and faithful servant, come and rule and reign with me for eternity. There's a picture in Revelation, right at the end of the Bible, of the elders in the church going down on their knees, taking off their crowns, and giving them back to Jesus. And that, of course, is what it's really all about. It's that we live for him, 
and get a crown from him that we then give back in worship of him. And so really, my challenge to you this year is to run the race that God has for you. Run as if to get the prize that he may get the glory.